maybe with video people would understand what I'm saying about it. If I could see my lips, then the mumbling might not look as, I don't know. Do people not know what you're saying? I have no idea, but when I listen to myself, I'm like, I mumble. Yeah, but you listen at like 3x speed. That's, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. I could just start right now. You could just start right now. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Welcome to Podjiba, the Pajiba television podcast. I'm Pajiba comedy editor, editor Dan Hamamura. With me, as always, are Pajiba managing editor, Tori Preston. <laughs> Hi, Dan. Hi, Tori. And the mayor of television, Dustin <laughs> Why would Rolls. you do that? Because <laughs> you were gone. Oh, hey, Dustin, you're back. <laughs> I am. <laughs> so, so you're the mayor of television now, is what I've been told. Yeah. I'm it's Bertisha Shillington. Congratulations on your uh, election to your position. Um, uh, I look forward to you giving the key of TV City to yeah. manifest. <laughs> mm. No, it's going to go. You know what? They, they they kept talking about bringing Manifest back, and then it just sort of it's, dissipated. It, They're in deep I think, negotiation. Yeah. Really it, takes deep. A while to, it takes a while to get the contracts drawn up, yeah. and you know, uh -huh. you know. That's been, keep, it's been like a month. Keep I the know. faith alive, Dustin. Hashtag I, I've already moved on to <laughs> is it La Brea. Yeah. La Brea. Uh, La Brea does star uh, Natalie Z, who you're a fan of, Dustin. I am. So. Huge fan. There you go. Yeah. And that's the one where the giant sinkhole opens up in Los Angeles and yes. dumps people into a world of, what, dinosaurs? I believe it's the past. But not, not dinosaurs, but it's like, it might be like Woolly Mammoth era. Oh. Yeah, you know... We, if there's anything we learned from Manifest, if you just introduce a Bible quote, a certain segment of the population will just latch onto it. And I don't know why more people aren't doing that. But this sounds like if it's the path, if they're going that far back, like it might upset the creationists. Right. Maybe, unless they go far back enough to find a piece of Noah's Ark. Or what if, like, Jesus is riding a woolly mammoth? Oh, there yeah, you go. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't I write for television? You're the mayor. You Get me a job. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> so, uh, Dustin, you went to get something to drink. I did. Mm. So, this week, uh, I, 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 I'm in Boston still, and I'm still having problems finding alcohol. I went to the convenience store. There's a bunch of things that I don't know. I picked out... A beer to honor Tori. Called Green State Lager. Oh, yay! They had oh, okay. it. Yes, and it is fine. It's just fine. That's right. It's, it's just, you can drink it. Mm hmm It doesn't Wait, have no, milk sugar in it. No, no, no milk sugar. Wait, did you go to the package store? No, the, there is a convenience store that sells a small quantity of beer and wine around the corner. Oh, okay. I, I guess they got a liquor license, or I don't know how it works here. But you can't get it in grocery stores or, or drug stores. But I guess 
the 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 um what do you what do you call them bodegas they don't have beer or wine but this one particular convenience store does huh. oh i don't understand how it works in massachusetts but there you go they had green state lager I don't like the fact that now anytime I drink it, you'll be silently judging me for not drinking well, a better beer. I mean... Because now you know. A, yeah, I mean, it's it's very much like a fancy Miller Lite. Yeah, exactly. It's the lager But of not just, too fancy. Right, not too fancy. No, you just drink it. Mm-hmm. But it's yeah. also kind of true of like any state's like baseline beer. Like it's just well, no, I mean, fine. it's not like a state-sponsored beer. It's just that's oh. the name no. of that beer. But no, but I right. think it's any lager. Like, your, lagers aren't supposed to be fancy. Oh, yeah, that's true. They're supposed to be the boring, drinkable thing. Right. It's, it's just reasonable. That. Yeah. So what's your problem, Dustin? Jesus, I don't Dustin. I have a problem with it. It's fine. <laughs> Jesus on a woolly mammoth, Dustin. Sounds awfully judgy for Oh, my who... God. I'm going to exclusively drink that from now on. I would drink it again. It's one of those beers that you drink after you've had a whole lot to drink and you just want something else. Yes. It's also when it's really, really hot. Oh, yeah. I can see that. That's when I'm like, when it's like the really humid nights, that's when I'm like, that's what I want. Oh, yeah. yeah, (laughs) Because I can have like two cans of it and it's cold and refreshing. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, watery enough that it... Oh, my God, Dustin. Not in a bad way. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Tori, what are you drinking? Um, I made another Paloma, so I'm having tequila and lime and grapefruit soda. But the problem was I didn't put the soda in the fridge early enough, so it wasn't as cold as I like it, and I don't have room in my freezer for ice trays. So it's kind of like a lukewarm. Mm. So it's fine, but it could be colder. Hmm. But that's fine, because I brought more tequila and more soda, so I'll just keep adding to it until I don't notice. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, as for me, it's actually warm here in Los Angeles, so I'm uh, I'm drinking uh, Jura Scotch Whiskey from the uh, Magic uh, Whiskey Cabinet, uh, but I did put some ice in it, which I normally don't do. But oh, today, yeah. today there was a I put a giant. Uh, a friend of mine gave me one of those little ice trays that makes giant ice for, oh, yeah. for liquor. So I put one of those in there, and it's uh, it's nice and cold. Well, this is this is related to both TV and alcohol, and I didn't tell you this, Dan, but like uh, AMC for the Walking Dead's final season sent me a little um, cool package of like uh, they gave me whiskey and bitter oranges and like this and. and and glasses for drinks and sugar cubes and like this whole cocktail thing to make old fashions. And I had never had an old fashioned before and I made one and it was delicious and it made me very sad. And what do old fashions have to do with the walking dead? Uh, I don't know, but they, <laughs> the, what, what's it called? Uh, Tori, a muddler, a mutter, a mutter, uh, muddler, mother. Mm. It was a baseball bat. And oh, there was like logos on all the stuff. It, it came with like the glasses and like a little mixer thing. They just want you to get drunk for the last season. I think so. Yeah. Also, it made you sad because it's the last season. That's that must be it. Yeah. <laughs> all you have left to look forward to are uh, the world beyond and uh, fear of the Walking Dead and the movies and whatever the new show is. They're the Carolyn and Daryl spinoff. Yeah. Right. Yes. Which will probably bring half the characters along with them. Yeah. But I keep reading that the Carolyn Della spinoff will be very different in tone, which is what they've said about all their shows. Yeah. This one's going to be very different. 
I don't understand. How do you make it different? Like, what what is the difference in tone between the existing franchise episode, like series? Uh, I well, I mean, they do. There is some differences. Not not like. Like, is that going to suddenly be a comedy or like no. a domestic drama? I mean, it's it's still like a zombie. The World Beyond definitely feels like a CW version of The Walking Dead. Um, oh. Okay. Yeah. And Fear the Walking Dead is a little more, I guess, well, it, particularly when Garrett Dillahunt was on it, it had a little more Western flavor and it's filmed in Texas and it has a little of that. But, you know, it's still kind of the same stuff going on. They're zombies, and they're trying to figure out how to survive. Right. right. Just different characters. And now there are, like, stormtroopers. Yes. <laughs> but that's also the other thing, because you're taking characters from the existing show and spinning them off and being like, no, no, it's going to be a different tone. Mm-hmm. It's like, but the tone mm-hmm. of those characters has been established. Right. So unless they're giving them some very weird setting, like, are they going to get married? Uh... No, they're not. They're not romantic at all. No, they're just they're sort of brotherly, sisterly. Uh, I, I mean, I know. guess I guess you could in a in a best case scenario, it could be kind of the way that like Better Call Saul is totally different than the walk. Uh, yeah, than, yeah. Uh, Breaking right. Bad, even though it's the same character. Right, um, but he was always an ancillary character, wasn't he? Yes. yes. So there's like Daryl and Carol were are are. Central, like, yeah, main main cast. Right. My guess it will be something more akin to a road trip kind of thing. Okay. Where they will hmm. travel to different places and deal with different challenges. Zombies. Right. They have good, chem- <laughs> they, they, they have good chemistry together. Although, they have good chemistry in short bursts. They don't interact a whole lot. I think... In a series when it's just those two, that would be a lot. We'll see. You'll watch it. Mm-hmm. Damn right. With your with your old fashions and your your mm-hmm. your official AMC swag. That's right. <laughs> hmm. Uh well we will get to that when or Dustin will get to that, I'm sure, when uh when that show is back. But next uh, week. For, next week. Okay. Well then next week. <laughs> we'll we'll talk about it next week, Dustin. Stop trying to preview your shows here did you, did you save some whiskey for next week oh yeah they sent okay. me a lot of whiskey and i only had one old-fashioned okay. one old-fashioned was enough that, that did it <laughs> congratulations thank you good to know but in the meantime there's a lot of tv this week uh so we're gonna go as quickly as we can um i'm actually going to even though i was joking about it i am going to set a timer just to see if any of these hit a uh, limit but will it have a very obnoxious buzzer it will have a very obnoxious buzzer yes. so we will see let's start with brooklyn 99 uh which returned um on uh, thursday first two episodes the final season um and it is uh Kind of notable, not just because Brooklyn Nine-Nine has been off the air for over a year, but uh, also in that they kind of infamously, uh, after the George Floyd protests uh, last summer, um, they threw out their the episodes that they had written and kind of started over um, to to tell a, a new story. And so, uh, so that's where we begin this year with... Uh, or the main th- well, the main thing was that uh, uh, Rosa Zeta. has uh, has quit 
the being a police officer because she decided she couldn't uh, be a part of the police force anymore. So that's, that kind of like sets the tone that's kind of in the first moments of uh, the first episode. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, you know, it, it still has the feel of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. It's still goofy and hijinks, um, even though they, they did, you know, definitely, especially in that first episode uh, in particular, deal with, uh, you know, trying to, trying to balance the idea of whether you can be a cop and within the system and not be uh, corrupted by it is the wrong word, but just, just whether or not you could still do good. Be complicit. Right. Or, or, or whether you're complicit by default. And I mean, the title, the episode was called The Good Ones, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So it's a lot of like cops kind of, especially Jake Peralta going, no, 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 I'm one of the good ones. Right. Um, So they're, they're very self-aware in the way that they're addressing kind of um, the reality of kind of policing. Right. And also the, the copaganda entertainment aspect of it too. Right, right. Um, Because there's, there's one point where he and Rosa are talking to this other police captain and they get, they get evidence of, uh, they have like a video, like they were able to find from the union rep, um, the body cam footage of these cops that like profiled and harassed this black woman, like demanding to see what was in her bag. And as she like fled from them, like one of the cops broke his finger. Mm -hmm. Um, so they like raised charges against her, even though there was like nothing in her bag. Um, and so, and they were getting like shut down. It was like the body cam footage glitched like and so their boss was like well of course they'd say that like you know i'm sure something happened but unless we have the footage there's nothing i can do so jake and rosa like team back up uh to to find the footage and they get it and they bring it to her and she's like oh wow yeah you really got it i'm gonna delete it and like the captain deletes it herself right um and there's this moment where jake just goes oh god you're the villain (laughs) and it was it was but it was great because it was this kind of like you know and then the scene evolves from there where it's her just at length in this montage explaining all of the various hurdles that that they would have to go through right to actually bring charges against these officers right. right and justifying the fact that like no, even if I wanted to do the right thing and did everything right, here are all the ways that it would go wrong. You know, and, and it might jeopardize me, and I'm one of the few, you know, female captains on the force, and I'm one of the good ones. You don't right, want right. my job, you know. <laughs> and it, it was really great, but you have this one moment where it's kind of like they they make it, you know, it's it, what I like about Jake is that he's always talking about things in, in terms of, He's a huge nerd. It's always, you know, Die Hard or, or various movie things. And mm-hmm. so once again, he, he's viewing the situation in terms of pop culture. Right. And that reality of like, that's what propaganda is. Like, like, who is the villain here? It's not, we don't have villains in real life. Right. Um, so. And yeah, I mean. Think they, they sort of made him the foil. Yeah. And also depressing in that the episode ends with getting away with everything which is reality right 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 like yeah, the best they could do answers. the best they could do was get the charges dropped right right yeah and i think that's you know again it's it's that thing of like on the one hand they're you know it's a tv show there's no good answer here on the other hand this sitcom that really 
isn't the place that you're looking for anything serious mm -hmm. is doing a better job addressing like facing head on the nuance and the challenges of of this than shows that the theoretically would be about that like law and order you right. know like we have all of these serious dramas but the show that's kind of taking that not just again the 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 racial profiling and the issues of policing in America, but also the propaganda of the entertainment. Right. The show that's kind of, you know, trying the hardest is Brooklyn Nine-Nine. <laughs> so like, you know, I'm not expecting it to like solve the issue, but you know. Yeah, I thought it was a good, funny, also smart episode. Yeah, like it, mm -hmm. you know, and I know they... there isn't a re resolution there. Like there's no good answer. Right. And then they followed it up with a fun farce. I'm so I was so upset when Holt was like, Kevin and I are getting separated because I thought right. for a second that I was like they lost Mark Evan Jackson because of the pandemic. <laughs> I am going to break something. And then they brought him in, and I was like, oh my god! And then they gave him bee stings in the face, and I was like, oh my god! <laughs> oh, I love Mark Evan Jackson. Oh, uh, so good. And it was I'm so, so glad good. that. But again, it's like one of those. It's it's one of those storylines where you're like, you're 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 upset, right? Exactly, because you feel like, oh no, they they're just writing him out. Um, yeah. But it also gives uh, Andre Brower like a moment to be sincere. Yeah. Which is he's great at, obviously. So. Yeah, uh, and that that whole speech about like it's been a really tough year for me. Mm -hmm. Um. That was I that one moment with him was worth the entire previous episode. Right. Like he did as much in that, like two lines of dialogue explaining like just what it was like being a gay black police captain in right. the past year. Right. Um, God, Andre Brower. So good. Mm -hmm. Has he gotten an Emmy for this yet? Nope. He's gotten nominated. Yeah. I don't think the show gets enough accolades for him to have won. I don't think he won, but I, I feel like he got nominated before. Hopefully. Well, I mean, he, didn't he, like, finally get his Emmy for Homicide in his last season on that show? So maybe... He's got two Emmys. Let's see. He did get Brooklyn Nine-Nine... Whoa. He got Brooklyn Nine-Nine four times. Nominated? Yeah. And he won okay. for The Thief. Oh, my God. Remember Thief? Oh, Thief oh, was, was so good. good. Yeah. And then uh, he won for Homicide. Yeah. I remember the Homicide win because it was literally like his last season on the show. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, well, thank God they finally gave it to him because that poor man. He's I also got two, two nominations for Men of a Certain Age, which is like one of my all-time favorite Cancel Tushin shows. It's a good show. So good. Yeah. How many seasons did it run if he got nominated twice? Two. Wow. But like the that cast was stacked. It was such a good show. Well, it was him, Bacula, and who was the other one? Ray Romano. Yeah. Ray Romano. And that's Star of Hat of no. Mm, Made for Love. Yes. And yeah. that's, <laughs> I was like, I which summer show? I didn't know I liked Ray Romano until then. It's like, oh, oh, he's not just like the dipshit on that sitcom. He's great. He's not Kevin James. Yeah. Yes. Correct. Yes. But I. He was good on Parenthood too. Oh, yeah, he was. He was. Yeah. Oh, my God. I love that guy now. <laughs> oh, is this your new man crush? No, no. He's too old for me. 
He's no Jensen. That's right. Uh, I wish that could be the cold open. It could be oh. if I ever edited, but that's no, don't. It's not worth it. That's probably not going to happen. Wait, we haven't heard the buzzer. Have we? Did we do a good job? Do we we actually have one minute left on our Brooklyn Nine Nine section. Uh, if there's any any other last no, no, we're moving on. No, let's move right, on. We're moving on to uh, the White Lotus. Oh, emphasis on white. Yeah. <laughs> Um, the HBO uh, no longer limited series because it was picked up for season two. Uh, although no, they have but said it's like an anthology. Yeah, no. so it's an anthology because they said that it will be at a different White Lotus uh, resort. Uh, the six episode season ended, and uh, <laughs> look, not every TV is for everybody, and I accept that. And look, this show was clearly not for me, Dustin. <laughs> Well, I don't. Oh, <laughs> white guy. Don't punt it. <laughs> no, look, I will get to my point, but I do want to give. I, I feel like you enjoyed it more than I did, so I want to give that I don't before. Know that I enjoyed it well. I oh, mean, interesting. I, I mean, I enjoy it. I'm, hmm. <laughs> I'm not was, trying to make you the bad guy. I just want to. No, no. I'm curious to know your thoughts. I thought it was good television. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I enjoyed it. I thought. I thought it set up a lot of interesting. I mean, look, it was like the most talked about show of the week, and everybody right. had an opinion on it. Right. Um, and it, I don't know, invited a lot of discussion. I thought it was a fascinating show. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of words for not. Yeah. And what did you love? Did you? I didn't love it at all. No, okay. I, but I, I appreciated it. I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I okay. wasn't bored. We, you right. weren't bored, were you, Dan? I wasn't bored. It's just annoyed. Um, I was a little annoyed. So, so I mean, I, I've voiced this a version of this before, but I, I was trying to... I did watch the rest of it in the hopes that it would uh, exceed my expectations, which it did not. Um, my, my problems are largely... Uh, they're more... Like... The idea of like you know Brooklyn Nine Nine tackling you know systemic problems with policing. Um, my problems with the show are largely systemic because it it is you know it I I did enjoy especially the performances uh, of some people and like Daddario Alexander Daddario was great. Um, uh, I really liked uh, uh, Jennifer Coolidge and like the way that. Like, the way that she can make a moment, even one that you're expecting, uh, cringy and uncomfortable um, in a, you know, it, it, it'll feel like even when you're expecting it you and you're, you feel like you're guarded against it, it still hits you. And I thought that that was really impressive. Um, but, you know, my problems are very specific to the fact that, you know, I grew up in Hawaii and uh, I'm not. Uh, ethnically Hawaiian, but there is a there's a problem with this show that is partially structural because obviously it was conceived as a thing that you could film during the pandemic, which meant that they they conceived of it as something that would film only on the resort except for when they're at the airport, uh, which is just you know the moment at the very beginning and at the very end, uh, and. It, so so it, it's kind of structurally designed to never leave the resort and to be focused on the 
you know, mostly to, to be focused primarily on the, uh, the white wealthy, uh, patrons of this hotel. Um, and so like, like there was a, and Tori actually brought this to my attention that there was an interview with Mike White where he, he very thoughtfully, like, you know, thinks about some of these problems that the show has where it doesn't center any of the, uh, non-white, you know, in, in this case, Hawaiian or at least part Hawaiian, um, uh, you know, support staff, uh, and they, they kind of disappear from the narrative and it's like, Oh, but you know, in this story, which is centered on these rich clueless people, of course, you know, those people would feel disposable. And so it feels like, you know, it, it is, it is in service of this narrative that they would disappear. And that's a reasonable claim to make, except that in, 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 in creating the show where you're lampooning the fact that these people are disposable, you are then also making them disposable from your production because you're, you, you yourself are disappearing them and giving them less to do and giving them less of an arc and giving them less, literally less work and the, you know, giving them less, you know, money as far as like as a working actor. And so it's, it's weird. It's a weird balance that they're trying to walk where the show is both, you know, satirizing this thing and also kind of announcing itself as like part of this thing. And, and I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's a, it, it's a tricky balance to walk. I, if it worked for people, that's, that's fine. And I don't have a problem with that. For me, it felt like it was, um, you know, it, it, it felt like it, as it, as it made its point, it reinforced itself as a function of the same system that does this. And it's, you know, that's, that's fine. That's the, that's the show. That's the, that's this particular show. And that also means that it wasn't for me because I, I'm not saying that this show had to, uh, center the the non-white characters uh because that's not the story that's being told here but um i i i just don't feel like this show like to me i'm like well that that's not the show that i wanted to see and i out of curiosity dan if this was filmed on a florida resort right how would you have felt about the show i mean honestly i would not have thought about it as much and that's that's a fair point to bring up. Um, but would I you think, have liked it? I don't know that I would have liked it more. I don't know that it's a show that anybody would like. Well, so there were, what... but there, there were a lot of people that liked it, Dustin. Really? Well, yeah. Like liked there, it, liked it. There are a lot of gushing reviews. Oh well, I don't. Yeah. Well, so that's my question, though, right? Like, I mean, part of that, and part of this was just reading through Mike White's interview, and mm -hmm. and he's very conscious about all of these things, including the fact right. that he is the only writer. So there also was no kind of uh, Native Hawaiian or any right. people of color, color that contributed to the story. Right. Um, and he's kind of, um, which he's not defending. I mean, but, it, you know, this is, he created, and he's trying to tell something from his point of view, which is as a privileged white person who goes, right. and, and that kind of fetishization of the exotic. Right. Um, and the escape. Right. And this kind of stuff. Um, 
And so, like, that is the story that he's telling, and he is telling it in the way that he can. But is there... Because I people see people arguing about whether it's satire or, you know, maybe it's just caricatures of, you know, all of that, that everyone is very realistic right. to the, these types. So I guess right. my question is, at the end, you know, even things like the decision to literally disappear the staff, mm-hmm. the local staff from the story, because it's right. like they're just to, to the guests, they're disposable. So the story treats them as disposable. So all right. of these choices that are made. Right. Is anything actually, like, is there a point to it? Like, does the story have anything new to say about privileged white people in these settings? Or is it just being, you know, realistic? The interesting part was what it was saying about privileged people is that they may become self-aware, but it's not going to really change who they are. They're still going to take the easiest path, which is to, I don't know, the, the Daddario character, that particular storyline was fascinating because she, like, she realized what was going on and who she was becoming. Right. And she decided that she couldn't be that person, but in the end decided, oh, wait, it's much easier to be that person than it is to not be that person. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she chose the, the privileged lifestyle. Right. Yeah, and, and and I mean the 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 one character who kind of breaks away is the son of uh, Steve Zahn and Connie Britton. Um, I'm kind of a uh, goofy side Fred Hetchinger is the actor's name. Uh, but the but but the the funny thing is that like his his story is like uh, this is where like I all right well it's gonna here I'm gonna choose my words carefully but like his. <laughs> His, you don't need to, Dad. Well, no, but I I, I want to be as res- because I understand the line that's trying to be walked, and his but his storyline. So so just for his he's a minor relatively minor character of the main cast, um, but his storyline is like he comes in as kind of like a you know stereotypical rich surly teen who's all into his devices uh we've just hit 10 minutes but we're going to keep going for a little bit uh the the i've decided unilaterally uh but the um the uh his his devices get uh through circumstance and snottiness of his uh sister mostly uh he ends up having to sleep on the beach his devices all get washed away in the surf and he's very upset and he's like how am i going to live without my technology and then he kind of finds meaning in like he befriends a bunch of guys who are uh, a bunch of locals who are training for like uh to you know in to like paddle their in like canoe i don't think it's a race i think they're gonna paddle from one island to another and that's kind of what they're training for and you know they're they're just kind of like welcoming and they're like oh yeah come join us because like our buddies you know has a hangover so he's not training with us anyway so just come on and they're friendly and welcoming and and then he he finds kind of like real uh he he finds he he finds spiritual meaning amongst the natives and like which is a story that's been done a million times and it's you know dances with wolves but with you know in a in a d plot in a in a limited in a six episode show and that's like possibly the most respectful it is of hawaii in the entire show right um i mean they had like 
a minor character who was the local, who was right. also the most sympathetic character, but right. also the guy who broke into the safe. And, right, and and and, and that that's the other thing is so so there's a there's a point in the and this is extracurricular because it obviously de- depends on the uh, the interview with Mike White, uh, but he, he so so the that character Kai. Uh, he speaks about um, the way that uh, Native Hawaiian land was taken from the Hawaiian people, and how in in it's he he kind of becomes the vessel of like you know Hawaiian the the Hawaiian people of like and and how their land was stolen and how they're fighting against people like the owners of the of the resort who stole their land you know decades ago, but. They're trying to fight it, but they don't have any money, which, and all of this is couched in truth. I mean, like, there is an example of just off, you know, like, uh, Larry Ellison, who founded Oracle, owns most of Lanai, and, and Mark Zuckerberg keeps buying up, like, plots of land from, from, from Hawaiian homesteaders. And so, so this is a story that is, that does exist in the real world, and a lot of people don't know about it, but... In the case of the show, it's used as fodder for then the visiting character to to like to to kind of like motivate her action. And in the in the uh, the Vulture interview with Mike White, he talks about how like he wanted to thread in that storyline, and it's it, it it's again it's that thing of like is, is this balance worth it? Where like you are, like is it is it worthy and worthwhile to to highlight this and to to highlight the real thing that you are now using for your for your fictional story or is it exploitation and i it's not it's for everyone you know on their individual level to decide to me it felt kind of dismissive of this of the situation because it because it ends up being you know primarily a way to to motivate the main characters who are not the locals to, to make actions and to make poor decisions that then harm the locals further. Yeah. Um, well, and it's weird to say, I almost wonder if this, like, depending on how future seasons, like if they're going to have this White Lotus resort in various locations, and so, mm-hmm. you know, as it turns into this kind of anthology, I wonder if some of that become will become more clear. Mm-hmm. Um, because, like, I can imagine this being, you know that resort not in florida but right. in places you know uh, hawaii is unique because it is it is a state right um if they were to go even further abroad um i mean god forbid if they went to you know puerto rico or something where it has its own relationship to the u.s or you know right. if they were to go further flung than that you know um and you keep it centered on on these white characters and mm-hmm. only kind of the passing mention of what's going on for the locals, like it would still be infuriate, infuriating, but I can also imagine that kind of being the point because you have these tourists right. who go and it, all of those struggles, all of are kind of just background to them. Right. It becomes like, Oh yeah, no, I saw this, like, you know, I was on this, like, you know, car tour and I saw this like monument and like, you know, it was it was really sad. I had no idea. But anyway, where's my cocktail? You know, right there. So I can see that message maybe coming through over the course of seasons if that is an intentional choice and not right. just a pandemic choice of right. like. Um, 
but again, it, it, it kind of keeps going. Is that worth it? Right. Like, and, is and, there anything surprising about like privileged white people are jerks? <laughs> right. And and I mean, I understand the, I understand the, uh, within the pandemic, like I understand the structure of like, there is a way to, um, you know, there there is a legitimate reason to kind of say like. Oh well, we couldn't we couldn't follow those characters home, and that's that's all fine. Like I don't right. I don't actually have a problem with that. Right. Um, there was a I'm I'm kind of like looking for this uh, tweet right now, and I can't uh, unfortunately. But there was a there was a uh, I think an Asian like film critic or TV critic who who kind of said like uh, in response to kind of like the the vulture piece and the vulture interview. Uh, with Mike White saying like you've made a legitimate argument of like oh you can't follow them home because you know as part of the pandemic you know we were basically just filming at the hotel and that's fine but uh, but none of the none of the white uh, people who worked at the hotel disappeared <laughs> like they were yeah. all still there and they all still had roles to play in the end game right and again that's that's fine that's the show's choice but you are making a choice at that point and you right. are even if you're not aware of it you are sending a message that uh that that the rest of us are noticing put it that way even if it's unintentional um i mean i just put a, add two more things one i love the way they set up the dario thing where she she's like the incredibly sympathetic character who's like having hard time and she becomes she comes to the one black character in the show and it feels like that black character is going to offer her advice that will save the day and Belinda says I got nothing for you and walks away which was like mm -hmm. a really good moment but the other thing I want to say is that Dan you and I both know that uh, Mike White has a huge background on Survivor Yep. and in this sort of in that experience sort of informed this and it's interesting that these issues we don't talk about it when it comes to like Fiji, where they've been for like a decade. Mm -hmm. We don't see any. I mean, once a season, they will do like a thing with like a few locals. Right. It's a novelty thing. So, yeah, we don't explore that when it comes to Survivor. Are you trying to ruin Survivor for me? No, so, I'm not. I'm not. Is that what's happening? No, but it not also the whole point <laughs> with Survivor is that they they're supposed to be they're not even near civilization. They're supposed to be just I mean, like obviously it's the conceit of the show and like how right. far away from civilization sure, they actually sure. are is up to. But it's like they can't interact with anyone unless they're actually casting from that country, which would be interesting, but might you know. But even the country, give them an advantage. Even even the island itself sort of becomes a non-entity. Particularly once they chose it as its as its permanent spot, it just becomes like... Uh, oh, so they don't move around anymore. No. They're just at Fiji. Oh, yeah. Right. For like the last, at least several seasons, they've basically uh, just been there. I think at least like the last 10, maybe? No more like Vanuatu. It's, yeah, it's just like mm. it's basically um, obstacle course now. Yeah. Huh. I haven't seen Survivor in that long, I guess. Anyway, I don't know. Well, but I, I don't. Think that, uh, I think Mike White 
made reference to that before in that article. Right. And I mean he he he's also he has a house in Hawaii and yep. has talked about that and how he does and enlightened also you know part of what kicks off kind of that storyline is is a trip to Hawaii. So he's he loves Hawaii and he's very very he, he likes it. That's good. Look, it's, I'm glad that the people in Hawaii got to get to work, and it's the the film industry is is small but but mighty. You should film your things in Hawaii, but also maybe maybe include a couple more locals. That's all I'm saying. Um, moving on, uh, let's go to the another far flung uh, locale, uh, Schmigadoon, which is mostly on the soundstage probably, but um, the Apple. Plus, uh, show ended its six-episode run on uh, last Friday. Uh, it's basically a... It, I, I enjoyed it. I'm not so cold-hearted that I did not enjoy the finale. Oh uh, I know the two of you oh. were going to accuse me of not, not liking it. Um, no, that comes later. That comes later, yes. Uh, no spoilers, but... Uh, don't worry, you're, you'll have an opportunity to hate me in a bit. Uh, but <laughs> it was, it was in the end, it was a musical, and that's that's fine. That's kind of all I wanted. Um, Keegan sang. Keegan sang. Did. And that's all that matters. And it's great because and he did so poorly. In the right, oh my God, because he's a terrible singer. <laughs> he's the one person who is not singing in a musical. Like he's like a real person singing, not musical yeah. singing, um, which is great. Of course. The couple that went into it uh, comes out of it in the end as a couple uh, with Keegan and uh, Cecily Strong. Um, my my one question was kind of like, would you have enjoyed this more if it was a movie? Because it 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 ultimately is very much just a musical with five act breaks instead of instead of one. I act watched break it all in, in one sitting, basically, so it was a movie to me. Oh, okay. Oh, that... Look at you with your screener access. Yeah. yeah. Do you think so? But does, I mean, I know this is a hypothetical, Dustin. But do you think you enjoyed it more in that format, or would you have enjoyed it more broken up? Definitely in that format, because they're half-hour mm-hmm. episodes. Right. Something like that. You want a sitcom in half-hour increments, but this didn't feel. I didn't mind it. I mean, I feel like it's it was still too slight a story for mm-hmm. a movie. I feel like I appreciated it more getting it like doled out, even though, you know, I, I can, it was pretty, I mean, it was obvious the way it was going to end. Right, right. <laughs> like, there was no real question there. Uh, but it, I think it gave more weight to some of the, hmm. to it. You know, I was I, watching it with my daughters and they actually, while they liked the ending, they were very upset that Keegan didn't run off. She oh. was the best character. She was the best. Right. But I'm, her but her arc was about accepting sure, being able yes, to stand up for right. herself. I was more upset that Kristen Chenoweth only got that one song yeah. the whole time. But it, it was, was like so good. A, it was really yeah. good, but like... Oh. But, right, it was like a song that was really good, but that only she could pull off. She's right. the only one who could pull it off, but also it was like... Yeah, I wanted more from her. I did want more from her, although I was happy that... Her showcase was, I mean, it's an insanely difficult song. That was so hard. With, like, the, the, <laughs> the speed at which she has to sing. Right. And and it's a one-take song. So. And it was, like, yeah, it was one take. And it was barely singing. It was, like, sing-talking. It was this right. very specific thing. Right. 
that yeah which many people cannot do right and And she was brilliant at it she sold it it was it was both like she was the only one who could have done it right and also i'm not sure if anyone else like the song wouldn't have worked even if somebody else could have performed it i would have hated it like it wasn't a song that i would have loved coming from anyone other than her right Right. and again that's kind of the going back again to the movie versus episodes of it um in in a musical it's it's more normal for you know for various performers to really have only one showcase right but because of the episodic nature of it it felt like oh i wish i could hear her singing more yeah, she's, At least she in my pops brain. up in every episode. Why right. isn't she singing the whole time? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, versus if it was a movie or if it was, if we did watch it all in one sitting like Dustin did, then uh, then it would, I think, that wouldn't feel as jarring. Um, but, I agree. Also, Krakowski had a fantastic. Oh, so oh, good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so good. And she basically just just shows up for her one song and right. then disappears. Yeah. Brilliant. In it and the leggy thing, I was just like totally. That was so good. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I love that she has only one character, no matter what show she's in, but it's always like perfect in that moment. Mm -hmm. She's great. Yeah, and I love that uh, you know Alan Cummings' character still like comes out and still gets to be mayor, and he just made me happy the whole time. Glad he got (laughs) stuck with the arms and poor guy. Yeah, that's fair. That's one fair. of the gay guy in the whole goddamn city, and it had to be at Armisen. But you know, gay guy who married Kristen Chenoweth. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. it kind of worked. Um, yeah, I don't know. It just made me really happy. Yeah, it was good. It's a good. It's it's just it's nice. It's nice, and it's all now on Apple TV. If you, you want to watch it, like two hours and forty five minutes. It's the Green State Logger of shows well, <laughs> just, you could just oh he, oh oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> just goes down easy he does that um yeah i just realized i have not been writing down time codes so this will be fun for me to try to uh pseudo edit later um but uh moving on to the next show, which I think only Dustin's seen, which is Heels. Really? You guys didn't want... You guys didn't want to be we don't stars. have stars. Yeah. Who has stars? Yeah. I know. Nobody. As nobody. I mentioned before the show, nobody watched the show. The ratings were like... Uh, oh, yeah. Tell the ratings. 128,000 people watched No, 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 because... no. But the comparison from the previous... Oh, I don't... What, was the, what was the leading show? I've never show? heard... Let me look it up really quick. Because I'd never heard of it. Uh... Because you said it went from like a point one nine to a point oh two or something. Yes. Oh wait, that's the show that directly led into it. Yes. Oh. Uh, oh, it was called Raising uh, Raising Canaan, which is uh, one of the, I guess it's one of the it's power one of the power shows. Oh. Oh. And I know okay. the power is big on stars. Yeah. Yeah. So that had a point one nine, and then it led into. Uh, wrestling Friday Night Lights which just did terribly but I, I do still think that people will find this I don't know how because it's on stars uh, do these shows end up on other on streaming do, do stars shows end up on Netflix at some point no because they have stars now 
or whatever. Yeah, that's the real problem. They have their own streaming service. I know, but they should still like farm out their stuff for Netflix so I can get seen. Yeah, because oh. HBO gets all the Cinemax stuff, and no, they don't get Showtime, do they? No, because Showtime has their own. Yeah, yeah, Showtime has their own. Yeah, well, no, no, they have Outlander, but Heels is such a. I feel like Heels is not a good show for this particular streamer because it's like right. Outlander and Power and like white that white queen or something. Yeah, like, Stars like, is a weird network. They don't have a particular through line, do they? Well, what 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 is no. Heels for those who Heels haven't is seen a, it? wrestling drama uh, written by Michael Waldron who wrote uh, Loki and who is writing the upcoming uh, Doctor Strange movie and uh, the next Star Wars film. Um, it's uh, about a wrestling promotion of like a sort of local regional wrestling outfit um, starring Stephen Amell and Alexander Ludwig, Ludwig as brothers who are also uh, Stephen Amell plays the older brother who sort of runs the promotion, and he's also the heel, which is the villain, and his brother is the hero of the uh, wrestling promotion. But there's a whole lot of other supporting characters who are all fantastic, and it's really sort of the supporting characters that, I don't know, they're just really great. Oh, Alan Maldonado's in it. Yes, do you know him? I don't know. He was in You're the Worst. That's mainly where I know him from. Oh, he was. He was. He, uh, I remember him. He now. was part yes. of. Uh, he was part of the the rap trio. Yes, he's such a different character here that uh, I recognized him, but I had no idea where from. Um, it's a really good cast. Mary McCormick is in it too. Uh, Allison Luff, who's like a Broadway actress, uh, but it's really sort of like about it's like this underdog story about trying to keep this wrestling league alive while it's being run out by sort of corporate entities and Vince McMahon type things. I don't know anything about wrestling. Well, so it's like Young Rock. No. Young Rock is <laughs> trash. <laughs> Young Rock, no. which has been picked up for a second season. Of course so. it has. <laughs> but it's just sort of like a scrappy underdog story, but there's like a twist in that the hero... Is kind of an asshole, but the heel is also kind of, he's like a family guy who is trying to keep the wrestling league alive, and to do that, he sort of has to fuck over his brother and turn his brother from a hero into a heel mm-hmm. against his brother's wishes. Wait, does he turn him into a heel, or does he just beat him? I thought, I mean, I read your recap, so. Well... I thought it was that he, he, like, he, he, as the heel, beat the hero. I think, I, what happened... You've seen that, screeners, haven't you? Right. <laughs> I, I'm not going to get too far into it, except to say that <laughs> once he gets booed by the entire crowd and they turn on him, he doesn't have much choice but to go into that direction. Because at the end of the episode, people are like, fuck you... And they're throwing stuff at him, and and likewise, I imagine Stephen Amell's character having beaten the hero, maybe becomes does he become the hero? Uh, no, he's still an asshole. For like, I mean, they're mad at him because he runs this thing, and he, 
and everybody came out to see this main event and uh, it was over in 30 seconds. Uh, and wrestling is fake uh, and they came out and they paid their money and you don't want to see a 30 second match. So they've got, so this company has two heels. Well, I think it, there's like eight or nine wrestlers. So there's a number of heels and heroes and they'll groom other heroes or I think the heroes, I think they're called faces. Oh. I think maybe they're sort of more boring characters. Well, yeah, they usually are. Yeah. And it's sort of the heels that are a lot more fun anyway. Anyway, Chris Bauer is in it from The Wire, and he is like, uh, he plays a heel who used to be in this league who made it into the big time, but for various reasons comes back and gets involved in all of this drama as well. But it really does, it feels like Friday Night Lights Wrestling. There's a lot of um, really in interesting um, comparison, a lot of the same beats. Like they use similar music, maybe even the same guy that does it. I don't know. They got Band of Horses that does the theme, which is perfect. And it's like sort of this dead end southern town, and which is obsessed with one thing, one sport. But the character's just phenomenal. Just really remarkably well-written and acted. And I can't, I really can't say enough about the show that no one will ever watch. <laughs> Maybe they will. Maybe, you know. Yeah. It, when it, they will when Party Down starts on Stars. And people have stars for Party Down and they start watching other things. Yeah, Because they already have it. Yeah. I think if you just keep talking about the show enough, it'll really take off. Really? You think? Yeah. You're the, well, you're, the mayor of You're the mayor of television. Mayor of television. Dustin Rolls. <laughs> telling us you, all about heels. I mean, look what you did for Manifest. That's true. That's true. You did You I, did save Manifest. It, you might. Hashtag, hashtag save Manifest. In my attempts to kill Manifest, <laughs> I may have saved <laughs> That's how it works. So imagine what you could do, what you could accomplish if you actually tried to save a show. Mm -hmm. mm, Dustin, maybe you should be asking yourself the question, what if? <laughs> oh, what a transition. Well done. Um, yeah. So I haven't watched what if yet, but, <laughs> but Tori has. What, it's what? fine. I didn't know you did. Yeah, it's fine. There's nothing I, to say I, about I it. want to. I just ran out of time. It's... Look, I'm going to keep watching it. I don't know if it's ever going to matter in the grand scheme of things. It's mm -hmm. exactly what the comics were, okay. which was just a place to have these self-contained outlets, creative mm -hmm. outlets. Um, right. So pose a question. So in the, in the pilot episode, it's, you know, what if uh, Peggy Carter became, got the super soldier serum instead? So what okay. if she was the first Avenger? So she becomes Captain Carter and she does mm -hmm. all the things that Steve Rogers did. Um, and then, you know, but but it, it envisions the world. Like, so it always begins with one decision that's different mm -hmm. and then spins off from there. So a lot of things are familiar um, if you've watched the movies. And that's the one thing that's a little weird is that it's like, it's functioning the way the comic functioned, but it's very much rooted in um, the MCU. So oh, everything okay. is everything is rooted on in the movies that you've seen, 
so there there's kind of this built-in expectation that like oh you know especially coming after loki and we know about the multiverse is this going to be like you know mcu canon multiverse mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and like i mean maybe but probably not like it doesn't seem like it's ever gonna matter in any any sense like that especially since it's animated right um but yeah it's a little weird because you're like it's not based on like the captain america of the comics it's based on like what you saw in the movie oh <laughs> uh, interesting is right so it's um so that's why it's going out and so like there's some things that were very familiar some things changed like you know bucky never becomes winter soldier steve remains skinny but then howard stark gets the tesseract and builds a basically a proto iron man suit and gives it to steve Hmm. So Steve helps out Captain Carter by flying around in this iron suit. That I okay. think is what did it what they call it the Nazi Smasher or something I forget. Um, it looked more like Jebediah. Yeah, it's like a big hulking thing. Okay. Um, it kind of looked like a Hulkbuster. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, and then in the end, uh, Red Skull is summoning some Leviathan-looking thing, and then. Uh, Car uh, Captain Carter pushes it through a, a portal and then is lost to time. And then you see the episode ends with Nick Fury having somebody reopen the portal and she comes out and he has to do the same thing he did with Cap with Steve, which was, you know, FYI, 70 years have passed. We won the war. <laughs> like, welcome uh, okay. to the future. Yeah. So it's and that's it. It's just this short little, you know mental exercise mm -hmm. um which was really fun in the comics and is really fun for the mcu when you when you accept it for what it is right i think it's saddled with a lot of especially coming on the heels of the of loki where you're kind of like you know everyone's like is this the multiverse right um and like i don't know i think it's i think it's it's better to look at it rather than as canon than as like uh because uh, that's the problem with the multiverse. Like, what what does canon even mean right. anymore? So it's better to look at it more as, like, training wheels. Like, this is... If, if you're watching the show, it'll just get you used to what the multiverse could contain. Right. And not all of it will show up in the movies. It doesn't really matter if it ever does or not. It's just kind of, like, giving people a chance to, to get used to the concept. Not in the kind of science of it but in the practicals like what would these other worlds look like right right and this gives you a very like straightforward approach like one decision differs it splits off into this whole other thing and this is what that would look like okay um, the only inter the only thing that i think may come in is if they ever want to introduce the watcher as a character mm -hmm. to the live action stuff because you've just hired jeffrey wright to do his voice like you should put a robe on him and put him in the movies. Like, that's fine. <laughs> so Okay. That's interesting. That's interesting to me, especially because the, um, so I remember as a, as a comic book purchasing child with limited funding, uh, I, I remember seeing like, you know, what if books or comics at the, at the comic book shop and thinking like, Oh, this is like, even, even then I was kind of like, Oh, this doesn't really matter. So why would I care? Well, and that's and, kind of the question. I think that the joy of it for fans was that, that it didn't matter. Right. Like you didn't have to, because one of the things with Marvel 
or DC, you know, whichever flavor that you get into. And certainly as we're seeing with the MCU where it's, you know, we're into the fourth phase, there's Mm -hmm. 20 some odd movies. There's, Mm -hmm. you know, there's so much that is considered canon. It's overwhelming. So if you're looking for a place to start, it's, it's nice to just have something that will not go anywhere, doesn't really tie into anything, is completely self-contained, and you can right. just, you can consume it and put it aside. Right. It's just it a story that you can enjoy. It's just a story. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's sad because theoretically all of it, all of it should be a story. Mm-hmm. But that now feels revolutionary in its own way. Like, right. oh my God, I don't have to know all of this other stuff. I can just watch this thing and it's fine and it won't matter it's cool right, right. Um, alternative theory <clears throat> what if is slight it doesn't have a lot of stakes people get used to the idea of no stakes as they're heading to see Shang-Chi and the Eternals and the whole MCU which is like hanging on this idea that everybody's going to watch everything and people right. sort of like see what if and then they don't watch everything and then sort of get used to that idea and then it it, it pulls a, a, a Negan killing Stephen Young and just collapses what what would what if be killing Shang-Chi what I just like the you know just, just the idea that what if there's no stakes in that and then Shang-Chi is a new character what if there's what if Shang-Chi doesn't have a big role in the MCU. Oh. I'm very curious. One of the things that I just saw on Twitter, so again, like I haven't seen a screening yet, um, but somebody posted on Twitter that like um, Shang-Chi is like finally uh, did something, like proved that something something good came out of the Marvel one-shots. So I'm. I have a feeling that's referencing the the Mandarin one shot. Um, oh, interesting. Wait, so wait, remember how in Iron Man three, uh, yes. they they introduce it's Ben Kingsley and he's supposed to be the Mandarin, but he's faking it. He's an actor who's just pretending to be. And then there was this like, on the DVD or whatever, they did one of those Marvel one shots that they used to do. Um, but that one shot was revealing that like it's not just that he was an actor pretending to be the Mandarin. It's that they're really like. It's not that the Mandarin is fake. The Mandarin is a real villain. Mm-hmm. He just oh. was, he was just a, a you know, a substitute or a, whatever. Um, so I think that that may be tying into Shang-Chi. Look, I don't know. If the question <laughs> is, what if, what if proves that not everything has to matter in the MCU? <laughs> like, like, can we start, look, I pick, I don't pick and choose right now. I watch everything because right. I feel like I need to, but. I get used to the idea of picking, picking and choosing that I might watch like Dan does, which is sparingly. Right. Well, and I don't think, but again, what if would not be the place to, to start that? Because if anyone, if, what is the first thing that you would not watch from the MCU? It would be their cartoon. It already feels like something else. Mm-hmm. So I don't think this would be the testing theory for that. I also don't think you should have to. I think they probably will be moving into something where hopefully there are less connections. Um, I don't know how they're going to do Eternals. Like, I straight up, I'm, I'm, you know, I'll watch it, but I'm kind of like, yeah, you, you're setting up that these, like, all-powerful 
beings have been on Earth this whole time and haven't stepped in for any of it. Yeah, it feels to me a little <laughs> bit like they're introducing these movies as, well, like what Bob Chapek Ch uh, said, as experiments yep. to see if they're going to be popular enough to then make part of the MCU, but they're not. Com it feels like they're not committing to that. They feel like something that should have been introduced in a different phase. Like the MCU that we've been watching is on phase four. And, and that is an evolution of the storytelling. Like they're right. complicating their villains. They're introducing new versions of the heroes. Like there is this continuity that they're in. But then you're introducing new, and again, because that's a business, these new franchises into this phase. Oh my God, did we spend 10 minutes on what I'm if? So sorry. That was 10 minutes. Oh my God. <laughs> I mean, it's also talking about the larger MCU, uh, which oh. I only see parts of. So, right. It's, it's fine. Yeah. Whatever. Like, I look, I'm going to say all of that. I'm going to say what if doesn't matter. And then by the finale, you like, we're going to, we're going to watch Dr. Strange mm. and Captain Carter will be in one of the worlds that they what go to. So and I'm going to be like, <laughs> it like, turns out you needed to watch all of, you know. Right. Whatever. It's fine. But but, but if you speaking of uh, one shots that may not matter, uh, <laughs> it's time for Ted Lasso, and it's time for me to get in, in a little bit oh. of trouble with yeah. everybody. Dan, oh, how man. is your mustache going? Are you growing it now that you're a villain? Well, I would like to say uh, very specifically, I'm uh, infamously cannot grow a mustache, and so that's uh, neither here nor there. And I'm not bitter about it at all. But uh, Ted Lasso last week uh, did a, a kind of a one-off episode. It is their Christmas episode, um, despite the fact that it is August. Not that anyone is... is that There's nothing wrong with that. I'm, who's counting? I'm, who's counting? Uh, but it is, it is an episode that, as uh, Tori, I think you pointed out to me uh, with an article that... Uh, this episode was actually after the the order was uh, extended from ten to twelve episodes for season two. Uh, they decided, oh, we're going to do a couple of one-off episodes. So one that they made late in the season was this Christmas episode, um, and it, it it obviously fits into the timeline of the rest of the of the season because it is uh, as one of our helpful listeners pointed out, the season goes from. August to April? I'm forgetting. Anyway, Christmas, this this does take place during the season. So it's not right. like it's not like it's completely separate. And we uh, saw them playing in the snow, like having practice in the snow last right. week or whatever. Like, right. Yeah. Uh, and they, they do reference kind of like they, they do catch us up in the in the opening of the of the episode with where they are in the season. So uh, episode three, they had just lost their first game after having uh, eight straight ties. Now, at this point now, they have now won. I, I believe it was, it's on the board behind Coach Beard, uh, but I believe it's they've won four, lost four, and then I don't recall if they've tied more. But anyway, we're, we're further along in the season, and so so we are within the framework of, of the current season. But the episode itself is a series of vignettes about Christmas. Uh, it's, uh, it's Ted and Rebecca is one vignette. Uh, Roy and Keeley is one, and uh, the team, the most of the team, uh, having a party uh, is kind of like the third one. 
At Higgins' house. At, at Higgins' house, yes, sorry. And and so those are kind of the three stories. We're cutting back and forth. And it is, uh, to, before I get in trouble, I want to say it's lovely and I enjoyed it. I, I, I just don't understand you of all people. However. Thinking, you like emotions, don't you? I, I do. Not. You I have no problem understand. with emotion. I love emotion. There is no tension in this episode. There is absolutely not. It, it is. It's nothing but sugar, and that's great. That's fine. I'm enjoying it. But to to compare it to uh, recent one-off episodes, say with uh, Mythic with uh, Mythic Quest, with the yes. Everlight episode, which yes. has even as as silly and slight as the Everlight episode is, it does have a narrative through line. It does have a a uh, a you know a, a plot and a, a battle, which is whether or not they will get to keep doing Everlight or whether Brad will get his way and end yes. their celebration. And but it wasn't a Christmas episode. And the point. But but episode, that was right. its own holiday episode. That was a that was, was their version of a holiday episode. I... Okay, but holiday episodes, you know, as as you know, particularly with sitcoms, are meant to be re-aired year after year after year, so there shouldn't mm. be any sort of But like... there's no such thing as re-airing, especially on Apple, so I can understand that not being a consideration. I do... But for this, <laughs> wouldn't you want to watch that at Christmas again? I would, I, and they, they hope it will be. I, I don't... I, I enjoyed the episode. I'm not saying I did not enjoy it. I'm just saying... Like, as an example, here's another example, because, because I'm reminded of it because of uh, both Mythic Quest and uh, Danny Pudi, and also the... Uh, I was going to say Community. The, yeah. The, so, so the community had a... The, the opening of this episode, their title sequence, they turned it into like a claymation-y or stop-motion animation uh, uh, opening, which was lovely and I thoroughly enjoyed. But it also reminded me instantly of the Community uh, Christmas episode, which is primarily stop-motion and that episode has its has a narrative arc, and it, it's a beautiful Christmas episode that still gives you all the Christmas feelings. Yes, but but, but so this but it has it has dramatic tension. It has an arc for the characters, and it's and it it it, it just has a, it has a weight to it that this one does not. I think that you're so the community one is a great example, but that one has the weight and the drive is that it is all it is one plot. From start to finish. Like, they're all together on it. Right. Um, I do think that the Ted Lasso episode, it has lower stakes in each of the individual storylines. Because each one, like you said, it's kind of a vignette. They're all kind of operating separately until they, well, two of them to come come together and then the right. Roy and Keeley one doesn't. But right. um, to say that there aren't stakes, like, I think the community one I was going to bring up as well, because the stakes in that is that it is entirely... Uh, um, uh, Abed's kind of mental breakdown about Christmas, right? Like it's it's kind of a fun, you know. Ooh, it's stop motion and everything like that. Except that it's it's a serious subject matter. Like he's they're trying to help him out of this mental hole he's in, right? Um, and that is what drives the plot. Uh, in this one, that is. That's kind of that's the storyline that's given to Ted, and that's mm-hmm. what Rebecca is trying to help with. Yeah, like he's he's having his first post divorce 
you know, Christmas. And so he's he's opening presents on Zoom and his son gets distracted because he got like a, you know, an expensive. Drone. He got a drone. Right. And so it's, it's very realistic. And then he stops and he just starts watching It's a Wonderful Life and getting depressed because right. of course you would if you're watching It's a Wonderful Life. It's a very <laughs> depressing movie. Right. You know, right. and then she comes and like, yeah, all of it is very, you know, pat. And, and they're almost becoming they're on the verge of becoming caricatures of themselves. Right. Roy, especially in ways that I'm not arguing with, I'm going to go with, but like, um, right. I don't actually have a problem with the, the lighter version of Roy, but he is becoming too perfect. He's becoming too perfect, but, yeah. uh, but, uh, but also in that Roy Kent way where he's the only one that can tell a story about shitting himself in front of children and make it like, again, the most sexy and masculine thing you could possibly do. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, you're the perfect example of masculinity that this show is presenting is a guy who just like bonds with a child over shitting his pants three weeks ago. (laughs) Just like, that's awesome. Thank you. Um, But no, I think that for me, the episode worked. Uh, I do agree. It wasn't necessarily uh, it's, we know it's standalone, so it's not going to have any impact on the, the rest of the story and actually in that article uh where they interview the writer it was in the la times mm-hmm. um he says like they they took these one-offs and this one specifically was to give you a reprieve because like this season has gotten a little dark and things right. are about to get a whole lot darker so this right. was kind of know. like let's have a moment of joy right 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 um which is why i i do think that and i think i, I mentioned this uh off podcast but just that like i believe that this in in the full structure of the season, this episode will feel much more important. Right. I, everyone is kind of freaking out about it on its own. Right. And it's easy to kind of go like, this is an example of why the show is, you know, isn't what it's cracked up to be. It's overhyped or whatever. Right. Or people kind of going, mm-hmm. oh my God, this is like the most amazing thing. And it's, it's neither. It's just, to me, what I liked about the show was that I felt like it... Um, condensed a lot of what Ted Lasso has always been about into these little moments. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it wasn't that it, yeah, it was sugar. Maybe it was empty calories, but it was also <laughs> a perfect distillation of all the legwork the show had done up until that point. Mm-hmm. So to me, like the example was, um, so the, the Roy and Keeley storyline where they're going around knocking for a dentist to help Roy's niece. And it turns out that, you know, she has halitosis or whatever it is when you have bad breath because of, and so they're trying to find a dentist and this kid, because this kid at school made fun of her, he gave her a secret Santa gift that was like mouthwash and toothpaste. Um, So she's, you know, just brokenhearted and self-conscious and all this stuff. So they get this dentist and the dentist finds a solution to it. Um, And then they turn around and they go and do the love actually sign card thing outside of this kid's home. But again, like what that sign card thing was. So she's kind of presenting the cards and she's like, you know, I went to a doctor. I got it fixed. I, you know, I can fix my stinkiness, but like what you did stinks also. And if you don't change, that's all you're ever going to be. And then she takes a beat and she's like, but I forgive you. And to me, that was like. This is a child exhibiting everything that the entire first season of the show built up to. Right. Like, the the climax of season one wasn't the game. It was Rebecca coming clean to Ted and Ted forgiving her on the spot. Mm-hmm. Oh, perfect. It was perfect. Mm-hmm. And so, 
I like that this was like in its own way, you know, it's a, it's, you know, a funny holiday reference to Love Actually, but it's also like in one scene, a recreation of the emotion of, of the, you know, the resolution of the first season. It's like, right. that's all, you know, called him out, but forgave him. Right. And this is how you become, you know, and you're seeing the, the, what happens when you're adults, the impact that having adults grow mature, maturely. Mm-hmm having how that is reflected on kids mm-hmm. and what they learn from that also rebecca ted lassoed ted lasso yes and saying come on and she's saying and i love the bit in that interview again where he reveals that like every time they try because they keep trying to write in songs for her right, for because Hannah she's an amazing singer <laughs> yeah she's like i'm a professionally trained singer but rebecca my character isn't Right. So you need to be really careful when you write these songs for me. And he's like, so you realize when you hear her singing on screen, whether it's the Frozen song or whether it's this, like, that's not her full potential. She's right. dumbing herself down to right. play Rebecca. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, but also they, they said they shot that scene because the, the episode ends with, uh, so the whole team has gone to this party at Higgins' house and it turns into this huge feast. Mm-hmm. Um, and they all find their homes and Higgins as he does his speech at the dinner table and he goes around and, and kind of mentions you know I'm sure you're missing your family back home in you know Montreal or wherever it like goes around to all the players that was right. actually the cities that all of the actors are from so it wasn't like the char- where the character came from hadn't necessarily been featured Right, right. Um, they wrote in where all of the actors were from oh. uh, which oh, was cute. So yeah. Good. It was a touching little speech. But then they, uh, you know, they hear these noises outside and it's uh, Rebecca and Ted show up with the buskers that they'd seen earlier and right. they do this street concert. Who Rebecca gave maybe a thousand pounds. Like so much money to. <laughs> Hard to know. Just but, so much money to. Yeah. Um, but again, that was a sweet moment where they're like, you know, I guess she requested to, even though they had the studio vocals for that scene, she wanted to sing live, which you can tell she's like in some of the overhead shots like you can tell what she's singing is not syncing up to the track right um but it was because due to covid and all the separation protocols like that was one of the biggest crowd like group scenes they'd shot Mm -hmm. at that point in their season so it was like it became a real party for them right and so she was like yeah i want to perform live oh yeah i have to mention one other thing about ted lasso because a listener uh Left a comment uh, explaining the rules of soccer, <laughs> and it was a really good comment. And I didn't, didn't well specifically really... about the the way the season runs and the way right. that uh, promotion and relegation works. Mateus Donato, thank you. Um, <laughs> I, the, the takeaway basically is that at this point in the season, they should still be fighting for relegation again. I guess there's another to go league. back up, right? No. Well, no, because they could go down the to the third now, tier. Apparently, the third tier, which is called League One. Mm-hmm. Oh, they could go further. Yeah. Yes, I had no idea. Uh, so, in order to get promoted, they're going to have to pull off a very long winning streak, which sounds like something that would happen. And then yeah. they would, I or maybe they, unless they got three seasons, right? No, you'd be, they got to get promoted back up to the. To no, but the I'm saying league. like so they got they got a total of they have this season and at least another one, right? Right. Right. <laughs> so this season they're fighting to hang on, and the right. finale of the show is them getting 
relegated back up. Well, promoted. Oh, I was thinking he'd get promoted this year, and then they'd win the championship. And the well, yeah, that's what Tori's saying, right? No, I'm saying they this season. Like, what if this season turns into them fighting to hang on to this to this league, and then actually they don't get relegated back up no, until a, next season? There's going to be one of those oh. winning streaks where they all have to wear the same socks and uh, not shave for like uh, because they keep winning. Right. That's just they have like to grow their hockey beards. Exactly. Yeah. Oh my god! Oh my yeah. god! Superstitious uh, streak. And Roy, do you guys Roy, do this Roy with your fantasy to... football? I do this with my life. Oh my god, Dustin! <laughs> um, you, if look, I have a bar of soap, if, if, I, if I'm having a good run, I will just run a bar of soap to the ground. Oh no! Is this wait, where wait, we learn do that mean? Dustin doesn't wash himself like no. uh, wait, wait, like some of his favorite celebrities? To the ground. What does like, soap the, have to do with winning? Like, no, no, I'm just like, I'm like, oh, this soap is working, or I will continue to use the same towel. What do you mean? Why uh, okay. would you? Like, I mean, I don't. Anything in your life? I want to make you, clear, I don't do this. Why would you assume it was your towel? Why wouldn't you <laughs> be like, it's that coffee mug, or it's those socks? I don't or, like, know. I don't know, but it's just it's one of those things. Like uh, morning routine is important in uh, my superstition. Dustin, this is what happens when you get all of your life advice from armchair expert. That is not where I get it. This is what I'm saying. A true... You love Dak Shepard. Stop it. Stop you it. You love him. You this want to marry him. True ass story. And my dad introduced me to this idea when I was a kid. It was a, like, a, you know, everybody has the science project or the science fair or whatever. Yeah. And he was like, what you should do, and I did this, is you should run an experiment where you have half the people continue to do the same morning routine and the other half the people change it up a little bit and then interview them each day to see if they have sort of uh, different, their days go differently. Like good luck or bad luck? Yes. So you did and a it, science experiment on luck. And how'd it go? Uh, I don't remember, but it stuck with me. <laughs> anyway, the idea that the results had favored it, luck. Had it feels like, it specifically like it, the morning routine. Yeah, and, and just in the way, do you put your underwear on first or your socks on first or, you know, your shirt on first? Or, Wait, what? Yeah. This is OCD, Dustin. Why would you put your socks on first? Who puts their socks on first? I don't who know wears who underwear? No. <laughs> <laughs> We're learning no, a like, lot about each other today. <laughs> but what about, like, your breakfast? Or, like, there are so many aspects that could mm -hmm. go into this. Why I is it always I will eat the grooming? same breakfast every morning for a, a long streak if things are going. I will use the same coffee mug. I will use the same towel. Do, will you wash things in between, or do you just like do you wear the same clothes, use no, the same towel? No, I, I, I don't wash the towel, but the other things I do wash. Okay, it's a mm. towel. You're you're cleaning yourself with. That's not how that works. Dustin. That's absolutely. That's not how that works. <laughs> how long? Okay, just just hypothetically speaking, how long how long does it take you to wash a towel, <laughs> like between? I mean, I've, pro I've probably gone three weeks, four weeks. Oh my god! Huh? <laughs> Even I don't do that, and I'm a, I'm a gross person that. How is long not have married. you worn a pair of pants without washing them? A pair of pants? Yeah. I mean, it depends on if I'm not uh, 
Is it what's the weather outside? Is it, am I sweating? Is it cold? Yeah, no, no. What's happening? No, 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 no. Activity matters. Yeah. Well, sure, but like a typical normal day, and you're not doing anything. You'll go a week without washing your pants, right? Am I going outside or inside, or what's happening? I don't know. It depends on the well. It, so for so here's an example. So like, a lo- well, a lot of my days are spent on Zoom right now. So I have sure. I have my I, I I have to dress up for work. Like I can't do like shorts or sweats or anything like that. Like it, it messes with my head. So, uh, so I I will put on jeans, but I have my indoor jeans, which are like my ratty, beaten up jeans that I won't wear outside. But like those, I can wear you know several days in a row. But, like, my outside jeans, depending on, like, if I get sweaty or whatever, then, you know, maybe I have to wash them. For me, like, I always had, it was, my washing schedule was very different when I lived in New York City versus here. Because it was, like, anytime I'm on public transportation, whether Did you sit on the subway? Yeah, subway, (laughs) airplane, anything. Like, if I am on public transportation, those pants go into the laundry, which is a pain in the ass when I'm traveling. Because I'm, like... I just wore these on a plane. I will never wear them again. Yeah. <laughs> I have, for instance, two pair of shorts. And I will wear one pair until I get a stain on them. And then I will switch to the other pair. But so you work from home. But how, how, what's the frequency of staining? Probably five or six days. But you're mostly staying inside. Yeah, I, I work from home. Yeah. So That's, I can... That's justifiable. But shorts aren't really part of my or what the, the pants. That's not for some reason that doesn't factor. Soap and towels and breakfast and mugs do. Mm-hmm. This is fascinating. Mm. You should wash your towels. You should wash your towels. <laughs> or at least throw them in the dryer. Like you got to get them hot. Mm, I mean, I'm on a good streak. Wait, is like, hot better, or does that well, just make the you, bacteria... You want to kill the bacteria. I mean, I guess, because there, there's always that joke about, like, putting your jeans in the freezer to kill bacteria mm-hmm. instead of washing them. Right. What but, bacteria? I'm getting out of the shower clean. Uh, whatever. No, no, because it's then you get the towel wet, and then it's hanging in, like, mm-hmm. the humid summer air just Festering. sitting there. Yeah. Festering. And so your your bacteria is multiplying, and then you're rubbing that back on your clean self. Dustin, does your towel stuff. ever get to the point where you can like bend it? Yeah. <laughs> no. Do you ever notice like a did, smell I would, or a no. snap, like it's a crunchy a snap to it? No. Mm. Usually, I will wash it if after I shave and I need to like wipe up the hair. So you've got a towel covered in, in shaved hair. And you only shave your, and you once every three weeks. And you then wipe your body with that. No, 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 no. I shave after, and then I wipe the sink with the towel, and then I wash it. Okay, okay. So the shaving is the trigger to washing the towel. Pretty much. Which okay. only happens every few weeks. I'm, I, I'm, I, I, I don't shave a lot, no. Dan, you should try not shaving. You could grow a hell of a villain mustache. The problem is that the mustache doesn't fill in the way that you'd like, so it, it just looks gross. It doesn't. I have, you know, I have no preconceived notions for what your mustache should look like, other than that you should have one as a villain. I will. I would like to contend that I'm not a villain, but rather <laughs> well... someone who sees. Look, look. All I'm saying is Ted Lasso not only showed us it's a wonderful life, but the scene where he's. Thinking about jumping off the bridge, another sign to point to the fact 
that his dad uh-huh. committed suicide. Yeah, yeah. This is a dark season. This is a dark. Uh, this is a darkness coming that, for us. I rewatched that episode uh, <laughs> a couple like after our podcast, and I thought, oh yeah, yeah, Danny totally absolutely and right. No, it's, no, just it's <sighs> it's not, it's not. I'm not a villain. I'm a realist, and that's the show because we've gone quite long. <laughs> I didn't. Ru- I also didn't run a timer for Ted Lasso, and we went. Uh, a little bit. We definitely over. But Dan, minutes, we but. haven't done the game yet. Yeah, what about the game, Dan? On, There's Dan. no game this week because no. I'm a villain and I'm I hate joy. Apparently. <laughs> yeah, you're telling me. <laughs> we'll, we'll I was a, hoping for like a television villains game. We'll do a game <gasps> another time. That would be a great game, Justin. <sighs> okay, let me Best write that down. television villains, Best and we'll just keep saying villains. Dan. <laughs> you know what we should do uh, for a game the some heel. other time. Is yes, we will talk about heels, but we will also. I, I don't know if we did this already, but I feel like I feel like we all need to defend like a show that people hate, and we're like, I don't care, I love this show. Isn't that my um, entire role on this podcast? No, know, but yeah. your show. No, I don't mean like I don't mean like hated by us and beloved by other people. I mean like the show that you're like, I know nobody likes this show, but I don't care. Um, oh, okay. That's what I'm. That's what I'm. Anyway, maybe we'll do it another time. That would be interesting. Um, not, but not today because we've gone quite long. Um, that's the oh, show. Wait. It's it's late for wait. both of you. Oh my god! Is Dan yes. our heel? I think. Oh, so. I'm. Yeah. I, as of episode 100, I'm definitely our heel. <laughs> this has clearly happened. We're which, wrestlers. You know what? I'm I'm for it. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. Uh, okay, that's, here that's, the heel. Yep. D- Dustin's the face, and I'm Young Rock. I, I... <laughs> <laughs> Wait, which era Young Rock? I don't feel comfortable being the face either because I'm like. Are you like little kid Young Rock or like high school Young Rock? No, I'm or... the Young Rock that gets to hang out with, um, like, in the future. No, I don't know. I'm Young Rock. When would I be? I want to be whichever Young Rock gets to hang out with fake Andre the Giant. Okay, so that's little that's kid, young, young rock. Yeah. Okay, that seems fair. Then I be fair. Oh, maybe that's the game. Which young rock are you? <laughs> 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 Dustin is clearly college age young rock. I feel like because he pulls off the he pulls off the mustache. I could be I high know. school young rock because I'm like awkward and I don't know. Still, haven't figured out dating. <laughs> Oh no! I think, but but, Young Rock had the whole. I mean, high school Young Rock had the whole fake wardrobe thing where he was pretending he was rich. Oh, that's true. And that was a oh, basically wow. a Dustin story. Tori, you watched a lot of Young Rock, didn't oh, you? Oh, you're right. That might I be a, a Dustin. Few yeah. So so then I'm college. You're college Young Rock, so you got to grow the mustache. This has taken an unfortunate turn, which I will not stand for. That's the end of the episode. We're, we're going to go now. Um, Good night, we'll back, everybody. We'll be back Good next night. week. Wow. Good night. It really did run long. I had no idea. I had no idea. I think that was a good episode.